0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Welcome in on a Monday morning. A lot going on this morning. A lot to get to. Uh, PK talking to us on TV last night. Says BYU is going to try and pick up some stray games from the SEC in the Big 12. You know, obviously they were impacted when the uh Pac 12 and the Big Ten said we're going to conference only games. So, if the juggler schedule, how many games can BYU pick up there? We got to discuss that a little bit. No Utes and Cougars for the opener. Um, until the Pac 12 sends out a remodeled 10 game schedule, which I fully expect them to do. Uh, for now, the opener is Cal on September 26th. But that's a nine game conference schedule. They're expected to go to 10. I think they should front-load it with divisional games. So if you end up only playing five, six, seven games, at least you got the divisional games in, you can crown a division champ and uh, have a Pac-12 title game. If you've got the time to do it, uh, you know, assuming there's enough playing dates, depending on how things go with the coronavirus down the road. Uh, also coming up today, NFL news. Uh, Washington expect to make an, annou- uh, an announcement that they are going to change their name. They're not expected to say what they're going to change it to, uh, but they're expected to change it. And the NA- NJCAA could announce that all junior college sports are getting pushed back. Football, all fall sports all of fall and the start of the winter season, maybe back to 2021. There's a lot of options in front of them. So a lot of stuff going on today. Keep it locked down here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Right now we're going to talk about your favorite team, the Utah Jazz. Mark Harlan's coming up later in the hour. But right now, your favorite team, the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell from Florida.
1: Hey, Donovan. How's it going? Hi, uh, Eric. How are you doing? Good. Thanks. Good to see you. Uh, well, you know, just mentioned, <laughs> right, yeah, a little weird. Uh, Anyway, Joe just mentioned that um, he was really impressed with
2: the IQ of everyone for being able to so quickly kind of pick things
1: back up from from where you guys left off. Just after that many months of not being able to play together, what have kind of been the most difficult things to kind of get
2: back in the flow of? Um, I think the first thing, you know, is just like you said remembering the plays um to be honest with you i think you said he he was impressed no it wasn't
1: right yeah he said he said he was impressed yeah
2: well, no, you never know so i had to make sure but um no like you know i i think I, I agree with him i think guys you know have been really locked in you know we've had a couple of zoom sessions over uh the break to kind of just you know kind of refresh our memory on a lot of different things and it made you know coming back and practicing a lot easier guys are picking it up even the rookies have uh, been, been you know, ahead of the game as well. So I think that's been the, one of the biggest things for sure. And as well as everybody's conditioning too, I think that's been a, a big standout uh, for sure.
3: Okay, great. Next question will be from Ben Dowsett, Forbes.com.
0: Hi, Donovan, how you doing? Hey, Ben, how you doing?
1: Doing very well, thank you. Uh, I actually wanted to ask you a bit about conditioning that you just mentioned. Obviously, this has been a really long down period for you guys. How does it compare to, you know, the start of an off season, a traditional training camp? Is anything different happening in terms of what you guys are being run through? Anything different the staff is giving uh, you guys?
2: I think the biggest thing, you know, is we already we came from being pretty much at the one of uh, the uh, close to the peak of our 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 fitness and our conditioning. So you take that time off. We, but it's kind of think it's a little bit easier to come back, you know, as far as the wind, I should say, getting your wind back and doing that type of stuff. Um, the only thing that you know. You know, will be rain to be seen, and I, I knock on wood, but it's just the, the the soft tissue, the the little the little things that we didn't really have access to over this this time off. But as far as guys' uh, health, like well-being and fitness, and as far as running up and down the court, getting through screens, it's it's been um, it's also healthy. We've been in Salt Lake for two weeks. Also coming down here, where it's humid and hot, it's uh it's actually um, it's been beneficial for us. But I think just being able to for guys to be able to get through screens, you know, playing with contact, I think has been huge.
3: Okay, next question will be from Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Sarah?
4: Hey, Don, I was just wondering kind of what it's like, I mean, after all this time, you get to Orlando and then you're isolated for two days, and all, all of a sudden it's like right back into it and you're on the court. So like the last two days, I'm wondering kind of what your feelings have been.
2: Um, I mean, honestly, it's just like for me, it's like AU. Really, you know, you kind of except for the quarantine part, but it's been like AU. Hey, I've been just for relaxing, you know, studying film and just making sure I can try and eat as good as eat as well as I possibly can, um, as far as you know, nutrition because you know, there's temptation to have snacks for sure. Uh, but getting right back into it, it's just like you know. You know, you could take three years off. You want to? Coach tells you go out there and play. We, we, we're ready to go, and I think guys have been really locked in, ready, ready, and really focused on that aspect. I think it's been pretty good.
3: Okay. Next question will be Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune.
4: You know, and wanted to ask you. You know, you guys will have a decent amount of free time here over the next couple of months off the court. Do you have any goals on what you want to accomplish with that time?
2: Um. Finish Game of Thrones again. That'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. um, no, I know what you mean. I'm just messing with you. Um, I think you know the biggest thing is just being able to stay mentally locked in. That's going to be the toughest part. You know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be long without seeing our, our our friends and family. So just being able to stay locked in, and that just doesn't go just for myself. I don't I don't have kids, but you know, for for guys who have kids, and not just with us, but with the whole entire uh, league, but for me, honestly, just staying mentally ready, mentally engaged, because. I can't tell you last time I've had practice at six o'clock every night, you know. Yes. So being able to be, take care of yourself throughout the day, get some rest, be ready to stay locked in. And cause it sort of gives you that feeling of like AAU summer camp or summertime vibe. And you know, that's not really the same as an NBA season. So I think being able to stay focused on the goal, I think would be one of the biggest things is being ready to be locked in and watch film and, and doing what I can to stay, you know, ready. Thank you.
3: Okay, next question will be from Eric Woodyard, ESPN.
1: Hey, what's
2: up, Don? How you doing, man? What up, B? Good. Ah, you 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 been yeah good, man. Good. You've been one of the young guys in the league, man. Being fortunate enough to make the playoffs your first couple of seasons, so you got that experience. You compare this to hey, you a little bit, but when you say that mentally locked in, do you have anybody that you talking to or somebody you can lean on throughout this process to kind of help you to stay locked in? You know, being yeah. a young guard. Yeah. Um, you know, the biggest thing for me, um, it's no secret. I, I'm close with Dwayne Wade. You know, I've talked to him a bunch the past two years, just about. You know, especially come playoff time. But you know, for right now, I really think this is this I'm going to rely a lot on just kind of one the maturity that I've, I've i feel like I've gotten throughout this break. You know, being able to be a, be a leader, uh, go out there and make sure I'm you know I'm ready and being ready to lead these guys. But as well as seeking out advice. You know, I haven't thought about you know what who to talk to yet. I think the biggest thing is kind of getting a feel for what I what we got going on here, and then kind of going through there. Once playoffs start, I think it's a little bit different. You know, without fans. You know, I think. The runs won't be as hectic, you know. The the six, seven, eight oh runs won't feel like eight oh runs as they would for playing an an away game or a home game. So that's what I mean by staying locked in, because that eight oh run can turn around real quick. I mean, it can in a regular game, but it won't be as drastic on either end, whether you're up or, or down. So being able to stay locked in on every play and understand that, um, you know, next possession, you know, being able, right, next game, you know, whatever it is, I'll be ready to stay mentally ready for that.
3: Okay. Next question, Tony Jones, The Athletic.
2: Hey, Don, how you doing? Um, you guys, um, what are your feelings on you know just basically you guys importing the weight room from from Salt Lake, and is there a favorite exercise that you that you like to do that's that's individualized that that you wanted to definitely have in Orlando? Um. Uh, I think just some of the leg press stuff, I think, will get my legs stronger. Um, definitely a help, you know, as far as being able to stay, and that's a different part of conditioning, so making sure your legs are stronger. Um, so leg press, being able to get that stuff, that work in. Um, honestly, Tony, I just started lifting weights three, three years ago, so I can't really tell you I have a favorite right now, but um, I would say leg press would be one of the big ones for sure.
3: Okay, and we have one last question. This is a follow-up question from Sarah Todd, Deseret News.
4: Hey, Donovan, I was uh, wondering what it was like kind of day one to day two. Quinn had said that he kind of let you guys get out and just run yesterday. Uh, Today, did you guys get a little bit more specific? Did you kind of go through the plays or stuff like that?
2: A little more structured uh, today. Definitely the same type of vibe, though, just continuing to, you know, get up and down the floor, get your – just get your legs. Get your get. get Uh, just feeling the contact. Honestly, that's the biggest thing that you know is getting in shape. You know, is in shape, is being in shape, and is game shape. So, you know, the only difference is today we kind of put different schemes in different different lineups in, just so guys can get a feel for one another again, because it's been you know three or four months where guys having been around each other. So whether it's whether it's Joe like to cast the ball, or whether it's Mike like to continue to you know somebody like the space, what plays is Mike like, what plays benefit Mike and Rudy, you know, in certain situations, or myself and Rudy, or Joe and Rudy, or how to get Royce a shot. How to Like, there's so many different things on the line that you gain from being able to play with each other. Um, and I think that's just been one of the biggest things that we have been trying to do, is just kind of interchange and kind of get used to each other again. There's Donovan
0: Mitchell. When we come back, you'll hear from Joe Ingles. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're less than three weeks away from the restart of the NBA season. Jazz are down in Florida practicing now. Joe Engel speaking with the media this weekend. Here are some of his thoughts.
2: Joe, um, you guys imported your, basically a lot of your weight room from um, the practice facility. What does that mean for you? And is there was there anything specific to you individually that, that you wanted uh, to have down there?
6: Yeah, my coffee machine. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's... I, I, I'm assuming every team um, got to kind of bring bring what their team needs down here. Uh, I think every team's different and does different things, does different exercises. Um, we're obviously lucky with the, the business we're in job we're in that the, they can do that and bring it all down and um i think it benefits for our team and every team a lot because you just get to it just keeps more consistent we can do the same exercises same lifts um obviously if we're just using a a regular hotel gym or whatever it is it's a lot different to, to, to the stuff we have in utah so um I don't. You can probably tell I don't really do anything different in the gym um, than what they tell me to do. So, no, whatever they brought is is what we need. And I'm meant to be in there lifting right now, but you guys are interrupting that for me.
3: Okay, thanks, Joe. Next question will be from Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Andy.
4: Hey, Joe. I uh, just wanted to ask, from your perspective, what the first three days have been like.
6: On court, or just in general, you mean?
4: Just in general,
6: like quarantine plus on court, I guess. Um, I mean, the first forty-eight hours sucked. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been like locked in a room with no window before, and um, to be interesting. Do not have a window? So, uh, no, I can't open my window. I don't think anyone can. Ah, um, huh. all right. Which uh, I don't know how. I mean, I know it's probably like hotel protocol for for things not happening, but. When you're in a room for a couple of months, it's going to get a bit uh, stanky at times. I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough, I guess, when you come from a, I mean, forty eight hours before this, I was in my house with my family and my kids running around and, and doing the that kind of normal life. And um, yeah, obviously we we had to do the protocol of of what it was to to be cleared to practice and and play and all that. So we we did what we did, but. Um, I mean, it was different. It, it was frustrating staying in a room for two days, but um, uh, I think it just, as, as eager as we were to, to get here and play, it probably made us a little bit more when you're, when you're sitting in that room. So um, obviously now things have changed a little bit and we can, can get around a little bit. Um, there's some restaurants on the, on the campus we can eat at um, and, and get takeaway and stuff from. So um, yeah, but the, the first two days in that room were interesting.
3: Uh, okay. Next question. Uh, we'll have uh, Eric Woodyard, ESPN. Eric,
2: can you hear me, Joe? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Sorry about that. Uh, just, just for you, man. Have you, you know, this experience obviously is different from any other team. But talk about the mental focus of this bunch right now. You know, you guys been together. I know, joking and playing around a little bit. But just, where do you see the mental focus in your teammates right now? You know, these first few days.
6: Yeah. Honestly, I was. Um... <laughs> Probably not surprised because I knew what, what guys were doing. We, we had our, our workouts, our, our um, schedule and plan and stuff that we were doing. And you, I guess you just never know when you when you come out on the floor for the first time in, in a few months or whatever um, to, to play competitive, um, what it's really going to look like. And, um, I mean, yesterday, for what, for what it's worth, I thought it was really good. I think we um, – guys look good. We got up and down. We were able to obviously um, – Finally, kind of play as a as a team, as a group, and um, the the memory of all our guys with 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 the offense and bits and pieces. Obviously, I don't think we'll play completely the same way, but um, a lot of our stuff is is who we are. So we to be able to hold on to that stuff for that long um, and kind of implement it and do it right away was was pretty impressive. Um, I, I thought so. Um, yeah, it was nice today again. Obviously, you're you're a bit more tired today, but um, to get back out there again and just kind of keep refreshing our, our self of the system and how we want to play. And um, obviously with our boyard, a few adjustments in, in some of the stuff we're running, but um, yeah, overall it was it was really nice. It was nice to get out and play because that's what we've, we obviously love to do. But um, yeah, I was really impressed with the, the kind of IQ of the guys to, to remember a lot of what we, what we wanted to run um, after having such a, a big break.
3: Okay, thanks. Next question will be from Sarah Todd, Deseret News.
4: Hey, Joe, how's it going? Right. I'm, uh, I'm wondering, um, Quinn said that yesterday that he kind of just let you guys get out and run and play. Um, how was today different than that? And I know that there's some teams also that their first practice, they didn't really go full contact. Have you guys been just got right into it?
6: Can you see the color of my shirt right now? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, we... Yeah, I mean, yesterday we, we played a lot. Obviously, there's there's film and there's things you walk through of, of like I said, the, the way we want to play and just um, remembering everything again from, like I said, it's obviously been a long time before we, we last played. So um, we played a lot again today. I think to, to start off getting up and down a lot and um, get our legs under us a little bit, obviously, the quicker we do that, the better for, for our group. So... Um, Yeah, it was a a lot of learning um, and listening, but but a lot of playing as well. So, um, like I said, it's been been really cool to get back out there and um, compete with the guys and talk a bit of shit. And um, it's fun.
3: Okay, great. Um, I think we only actually have time for one more, unfortunately. So, I'm going to go ahead and uh, (laughs) go with Ryan Miller from KSL. Ryan.
4: Hey Joe, obviously it's only been a couple days, but can you take us through how the team will look like without Boyan on the court?
6: Uh, we just won't have Boyan on the court. Um, I yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's hard to answer, I guess. Obviously, what what he brought was um, a pretty high level. His scoring, his his three point shooting. Um, I thought defensively and stuff, rebounding. He he was a uh, probably better than what i don't know if people anticipated into that or not but um i I thought he was really good on both ends obviously um especially offensively so um like i said we we have to adjust some things um offensively we 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 ran we ran a lot of stuff for him and um he 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 was he, he spaces the floor really well so um We'll have to make some adjustments um in some of the stuff we run uh, i think some of the stuff we ran for him we can run for, for other guys in our team um i'm really excited for mike to, to kind of have the ball more and, and be able to do um what he's done his whole career um so it's yeah it's a, it, it's obviously we much prefer to have boy on here but but he's not so we, we we've done this for six years that I've been here guys have had to step up at different times with injuries and stuff like that so um, it's nothing new in terms of that but um, we'll figure out the best way for our group to play um, without Boyan until we get him back
0: There is Joe Ingles when we come back Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan
5: From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
0: Friday, PQ is on vacation. He'll be back today, but Gordon Monson sat in with me, and we spoke with Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan. Mark, good morning.
1: Good morning man. How are we doing?
0: Uh, we're doing all right. How are you doing? Is your head spinning
1: <laughs> Hey it's Friday. I'm, I'm doing I'm doing great.
0: So I guess we're curious with the news Thursday that the Big Ten is going to a conference-only football schedule. And the Pac-12 seems to be, but I know you're not going to break any news and make any announcement on behalf of the commissioner and 11 other institutions. So we won't expect that. But you have told us in the past, probably three months ago, that you're already thinking about this possibility. If it happens, is it because... You're recognizing you just can't play 12 games because you can't start practicing now and you can't kick off as scheduled in early September. I guess week zero in late October, but excuse me, week zero in late August um, and week one in September. And rescheduling those games is a massive headache Is this is conference only just kind of an admission. There's just no way to play 12 games.
1: You know, if you go back three months plus ago and in the, in the Pac-12 football subcommittee uh, regarding COVID was put together, you know, that group looked at so many different scenarios uh, depending on where this, this virus was going to be. And one of them certainly was a, a league-only schedule. And I think the reason that you, you look at that is, is is you know, for a couple different reasons. One, just maximum flexibility, working within the league, dealing with all the week-to-week issues that – could come up uh, having a central decision maker in the in the Pac-12 office regarding our teams, etc. Of course, the other thing would be if we had schools that were in hotspots and just couldn't couldn't get to the practice field in that August period uh, to begin those 29 days toward toward the start of the season. So. Um, You know, those are the key reasons. There's a few others uh, that are involved in there, but I think those are the key reasons. And I think the theory always was that if you got to July and you got into decision-making month, which I've said to you before that that really July was going to be a month full of massive decisions, um, that if we needed to buy time, then you move it into September um, because you can do a league-only schedule and start, you know, in October and get most of the games in. So those would be all the reasons to look at it. And in terms of the Pac-12, you know, we've been meeting very extensively two or three times a week. We all saw what the Big Ten uh, did yesterday. Uh, candidly, I did not expect any of the power fives to to announce it at that time, but you know, when one goes, uh, you can you can look at the others and say, well, you know, we've got now impacted league league uh, non-league games affected. Of course, we had two huge big Ten teams coming into our footprint in the fall in Ohio State, Michigan coming into Pac-12 territory. So we've now been affected in our league with non-conference with that decision, and so that'll be another thing that we'll have to look at as we make the decision ourselves.
7: Mark, was there any way there could be standardized testing, even across conferences, you know, for for these non-conference type things so that people could
1: feel more secure, uh, safe, uh, all of that? Yeah, absolutely, Gordon. I think that that's been something that has been – uh, a, a real goal for, for all of us. I mean, we know that the PAC-12 and, and the incredible medical institutions uh, that we have in our conference really have led the way in the testing uh, expectations. Our document, uh, you know, has been kind of leading uh, leading the way in terms of others looking at that. So there's been a lot of effort, particularly amongst the, the Power 5 group, to have uh, consistent testing across the board. We're not quite there. I think we're almost there. But you know, it's going to be an absolute must. You, you just cannot play, whether it's football, soccer, or name any sport, and not have standardized testing. It's it's it would be unacceptable. Um, and so, it's something that that there's been a lot of effort to get to that point.
7: Doctor. I didn't think so. I didn't think so much, Mark, about the flexibility of the scheduling. But I thought when I saw that. Uh, Oregon, Ohio State would be lost, I thought, man, two programs like that that have the kind of financial backing that they have, you would think that they would be able to find a way to standardize that part of it so that uh, people felt confident uh, going ahead and playing a game like that because, I mean, we were all looking forward to seeing it,
1: you know? Well, absolutely. And, and I would say to, to that point, there's no question that – you know, teams in those two conferences would would be able to come up with some type of you know standard testing. Like I said, I expect that we're going to see standardized testing across the Power Five uh, probably in the next couple weeks. Um, you know, again, we've got so many sports, and and we just have to make sure we we do that. I can't. I'm not inside the Big Ten room, and I can't say specifically, but I just imagine that they were looking for maximum flexibility to run their football. Uh, schedule and they believe that was in their best interest, and it's certainly something that we're looking at in the Pac-12 as well. But I would say, Gordon, to your point, I don't think that was based on standardized testing. Mm.
0: So, Mark, I think we're all curious, can the college football playoff move off its traditional kind of New Year's-ish uh, January timeline, move back behind the Super Bowl, and, and give all the Power Five schools more time to, to make the season more complete, whether that's six games to eight or ten or whatever?
1: Well, we've got the whole NBA in a bubble in Orlando, right? So anything is possible in the world of sports. Uh, right now but as of as of today bill hancock the executive director and, and the committee that oversees the CFp which includes commissioners uh, of the conferences you know there has not been a signal that they would move those those dates um, but one has to imagine that if the season uh, is able to, to get started and if it's delayed that there would have to be a real real hard look at what the CFp can do in short notice so i imagine that those conversations will you know, we'll really get going when we kind of figure out when when the start dates uh, for the the various conferences begin. Mark,
7: is there any way that uh, football can be played if students aren't on campus? And do you expect it to be one or the other? Do you expect some combination of online type courses and some maybe a few on campus to make it a little more legitimate?
1: Well, I think you go back to the very beginning. I think the premise was, if you have shut down campuses, uh, it's hard to imagine intercollegiate athletics functioning in any normal manner. Uh, I do think that if there is activity on campus of some type, you know, whether that be percentage of of classes and those kind of things, I think there's a there's a way to do it as long as that particular athletic department is is proving that that the safety measures and the testing and all those things are. As, as as good as they they can be. I mean, I know it's different. You know, certainly student athletes are, are are used to competing through Christmas break when no one's here. You know, we we've always got 200 plus kids here for that for, you know, that 3 to 4 week period. I know it's different, but it's it's not new for student athletes to, to compete when the campus is quiet. But in general, Gordon, if your campus is, is closed and you're 100% online, it's just hard to imagine uh, having any any intercollegiate athletics.
0: Well, no one needs to unnecessarily get dragged into politics, which is what I say right before I drag you into politics, Mark. <laughs> right. um, I knew you'd be excited about that, but we know the, the president's got the federal government issuing these new guidelines on ICE sending international students home. And I ju- if, they're not in a, if they're only online, they don't need to be in the U.S. is basically the logic. If they're on campus, and it's a way, apparently, to leverage campuses open, and you don't need to speak to that. But I just read that USC is offering international students a chance to do one of the classes that will keep them. There's a very select, limited number of classes that the SC campus is going to be open for. They're they're trying to go 100% online. But they're doing something to keep the international students there. And so... I'm curious that you has international students, that you recruit students internationally. And I've also heard that, you know, some of the, the science labs and that kind of stuff would be some of the limited stuff that would be open. And so in the mind of, you know, yourself and your president, Ruth Watkins, is that enough of an on-campus presence to justify bringing athletes on campus and say, this is one of the types of limited things we allow?
1: Well, if you just look at the University of Utah right now and the plan that, that obviously it, it can change and is changing almost on a daily, weekly basis, you know, the idea of having in person classes is still something that the U uh, is planning for as, as we, you know, head into this mid July period, knowing things could change. But there is still robust plans to have, you know, a, a, a real 50 50 type mix. Of in class and and certainly online and again all of that can change and the U proved that when when it went online in spring it can be very productive as well. On the subject of international students, you know, I'm not trying to be political either, but it was we have a lot of international students here. Um, you know, our ski team probably leads the way. Our, our defending national champions would have been two-time national champions if we didn't didn't have to pull them off the slope in March. You know, I just feel for those kids. It, it is just such an emotional time, anyway. And now this this decision, um, you know, came down, and it's it's just been very difficult. We've we've really been communicating with our kids internationally, um, but right now at the U, you know, there is a lot of, of contemplation for in-person classes. So we believe there's a route, um, and and it's just so important. International students take away athletics for a moment for this campus and for so many others. There's, it's such a big part. Of the environment here, and they've contributed so much to U.S. higher education. So I hope that we can, we can make this happen for all of them because they're so important.
7: Mark, I know you're not a betting man, but uh, what would the what would have to happen in order for there to be some fans allowed at Rice Circles uh, come uh, come whenever the season starts?
1: Well, for us to, to really finalize and present to the proper authorities um, a path that we believe is is safe. Um, in, in, in you know, in the best possible way, uh, we are spending a lot of time, Gordon, on that particular issue, trying to figure out you know how the distancing, uh, how the entrances and exits would go. Uh, we're looking at things no one ever thought we would ever you know look at before. We've already done some modest changes getting away from hard tickets and going all digital and those kind of things. You know we're interested tomorrow at the soccer game. Uh, we've got staff going down to take a look at how they're going to run that uh, with fans in the stadium. I'm sure we'll learn a lot. Um, but that's something that we have a lot of focus uh, on because, you know, we believe that there's a path to do that. Now, that being said, you know, obviously the data in Salt Lake is not great right now. Um, so, you know, like me and others, I'm just really encouraging everybody to, to do what they can, wear your mask, be smart, uh, so that we have a chance to, A, play football here and B, have some people come and watch these kids. So I just encourage everyone to do the right thing to, uh, to try to get us to that point. So
0: will the traditional uh, relatively balanced, you know, five either five or four home games and five or four road games a nine game schedule, will that be out the window? Will there be flexibility in a conference only schedule that you know Seattle was a hot spot in March, Arizona's clearly a hot spot now? Who knows who's gonna be a hot spot in October, November? Could we see a scenario where teams are playing the majority games on the road to stay out of a hot spot?
1: You know, in the in the different in the different uh, models that we have, you know, it was too difficult to kind of do a hotspot type map because, as you said, it, it rotates so much. I think that, you know, on a 10 game model, obviously we're trying to give everyone five home games uh, at, at minimum, um, you know, to, to deal with uh, that issue, the revenue issue, etc., so that everyone can have five. But then it gets back to the idea of flexibility. Um, So if if something like that happens in a county or a municipality can't host a game, uh, then the league, amongst all the 12 schools, can make the adjustments uh, necessary. So that would be an example of another uh, advantage for having a league-only season. But on the 10, obviously, it starts off with each having five home games.
7: Now, one of the things, this must be a real doozy for you, Mark, trying to figure this out, because I mean, who, whoever saw this coming, you know, but you, you think of the sort of uniformity that you can work with within a conference. But when your conference spans five or six states or whatever it is, now you're dealing with all these jurisdictions and all the government leaders and all it, it must be like, you feel like. I don't know if you remember this, but I remember watching the Jackie Gleason show or something and there was a guy who was spinning plates on sticks, you know, and he's running up and down, keeping those plates ro- It must be, I mean, how much uh,
1: <laughs> What? How are you handling that? Well, you know, I, I think that uh, there used to be a period of time where July was somewhat quiet and maybe you could sneak away and go fishing or, or what have you. It's certainly not the case right now, but but you know what I think of when, when there are days that are long and there's things that you're managing and, and you know, the, the absolute of having games has always been a part of our business and, and now that's gone. You know, I, I really just think about it's it's not about us as the professionals over here and this incredible team of people that work in the athletic department. I, you know who I really think about, Gordon, the most during all of this is I think about our student-athletes and I think about, like, our upcoming senior class. I was – down there observing some of our volunteer workout this week and I saw a bunch of our seniors in a couple of the workout groups and I just I don't know I just had a moment I got I got a little I don't know I just got a little emotional about thinking about them and how hard they've worked to to get to this point and and now the uncertainty that they're dealing with right the uncertainty of am I even going to have a senior season or am I not even going to be able to have my family watch you know I just all these things that must be going through their minds they're young people right I mean that's the people that we care about. So whenever I start feeling sorry for myself, I really remind myself that that really, you know, it's the students, what they're going through, the uncertainty, their families, um, all of that, you know. And it's our job to to just present the best, safest path for all of them. And, boy, that's what we're spending a lot of time on working on. With
7: that in mind, I'm, I'm curious, when I saw that Stanford was offing sports, uh, Stanford I wondered, is that a possibility at the University of Utah as well?
1: Well, gosh, I, Bernard is the athletic director there, and he's just—he's he's just one of the very best in the business. He's such a kind, kind person and thoughtful, and great leader in our room. And I, I just—it's just the most heartbreaking thing you can even imagine, much much less implement. Um, we've been able to here at Utah, we've been able to really manage our budget. I'm so proud of our coaches and our staff. We've, we've taken off about $8.5 million uh, in our budget, uh, for this year. Um, and that's based on six home games with limited crowd, uh, just through people understanding that this year is going to be a little different and we, we have to, you know, we have to just go lean, you know, um, and i'm just proud that our coaches you know really went to work on that so because of their ability to do that along with other operational cuts we've been able to kind of march forward with with you know whole all their teams and all those other things now obviously where you know where you wake up in the middle of the night is when you start thinking about not having football or not having you know or half football whatever you just try to try to figure out how that would work. But the last thing that anyone would ever want to do is to eliminate a sport because um, that's what we're here for is to run sports and to uh, to help develop student-athletes. And uh, cutting sports just takes that all away. So we're not looking at that right now at all.
0: Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, you're responsible to the students. uh, I'm responsible to fans, and so I'll suck up if necessary because I like my job. (laughs) So, I think what a lot of fans are wondering when they hear you talk about a 10 game season, uh, and then this goes back to Gordon's point about the you know the budgets and the finances and sustaining sports. Does the priority become uh, ESPN, Fox, the Pac-12 network? Which network ends up getting shorted on? Games And, of course, you know a lot of people don't have the Pac-12 network. That's something we need to get into now, but that's in the back of everybody's mind. How how does that
1: work? I've heard that before, though. I I bet you
0: have. I bet you have. I've heard that. So how does that work?
1: Well, you know, I don't think that that we've looked at – it's an interesting question. We haven't looked at, you know, the the game that that would be on this network or or that network. What we do know is that there is – you know, certain value in each game, depending on what network uh, you're on. And, of course, the typical selection process, which, you know, would have already been completed by now in a typical year. You know, in general, I guess what I can say is every game that's on Fox or ESPN is approximately $5 million, just a tad uh, under $5 million per game uh, in the existing Pac-12 deal. And the Pac-12 network, it's, it's slightly less than that. So, you know, each any game that you lose on any given weekend, there's your math right there uh with with the contracts. Now these are great TV partners. They've they've been with the the Pac 8, the Pac 10, and the Pac 12 for years, and everybody wants the enterprise to be able to pick themselves up and, and move forward in some form or fashion. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of a lot of conversations. That's Commissioner Scott and his team to, to work with the television partners. But that is the general math if you lose games. So right off the bat if any kind of conference only uh model is put put forward in 10 or nine game or whatever you're able to do, you're already right off the bat looking at a negative um you know uh, dollar amount as it comes to our tv deal much less you know any kind of fans. so you know i'm sure the big 10 i'm sure the rest of power five and the others you know you're looking at all that but at the end of the day you know how do you get this thing going when can you start and and what brings you maximum flexibility that's the key focuses that we're on key focus excuse me that we're working on
7: Mark, about, uh, I want to say about 20 years ago, a DJ, I learned a term from DJ that I hadn't heard before. He said he was going to lob a hand grenade across uh, <laughs> uh, at somebody, and I'd never really heard that. But uh, let me lob a hand grenade at you. I wrote a, a column. You uh, wait, a,
0: wait a, Hold on a second, Gordon. I love the way this becomes my fault. You're going to yeah, do it, it but it's my fault. fault. Okay. He learned something yeah, okay. it's, it's always
7: your fault. You should know okay, that. It's my fault. Go ahead. But I wrote a column about the lack of leadership in the Pac-12, and uh, I know you have to be careful about what you say about that, but uh, how do you feel about the direction of the conference overall, separate from the COVID-19, all that? Are are you frustrated at all with, uh, with the deficit of money relative to other power conferences, especially the SEC and the Big Ten?
1: No, I appreciate the question. You know, I've, I've had a really interesting lens into the conference for for so many years at three different uh, institutions. You know, and, and you know, gr- basically, kind of growing up in this conference. And I've been around Commissioner Scott since the since the day that that he came in. Um, you know, since I got back to to the conference now two years ago here at University of Utah, uh, we certainly had a very very difficult moment uh, a year and a half ago. Uh, you know, with one of our, our, you know, let's just call it what it is, the officiating scandal uh, at at the Washington State-USC game. I think there was a defining moment uh, in the conference uh, with the athletic directors, with Commissioner Scott. You know, what I've seen really since that moment is a real, transparent, um, collaborative environment Um, And it's really been amplified during the COVID. I I give uh, Larry a lot of credit uh, from the moment March hit and we were all in Vegas and trying to get out of there and and get back to our campuses. He has been uh, just a fantastic leader in in pulling us together. I mean, three or four times a week meetings, uh, really being in the forefront of providing all the information our campuses have needed. So I've been really, really, uh, honored to to work with him and his team during during this process. So there certainly has been, um, quite candidly, uh, a, a lot of really good work done by him and his team during this period. Am I frustrated that we have less money than the others? Of course. Who who wouldn't be frustrated uh, when you're expected to beat those guys every time out in any sport? That's my expect expectations of of the youth. Um, so yeah, so we have to we have to figure that one out, Gordon. We've got two-year runway here till to the next tv deal uh we've got an incredible uh, group of schools uh historic um and we have got to put our best foot forward to be able to to uh you know i don't want to just catch up i'm not in this business to catch up and tie people you know we got we got to put our value out there and 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 be the very best we, we can be and that that has to happen So, uh, yeah, I'm frustrated with that piece. Who wouldn't be? But I'm also very excited about uh, the future deal and what it could bring.
0: Obviously, football travels charter, and obviously that simplifies some things for you. And obviously, we're going to ask you mostly about football. But for people who participate in or follow any of these other sports, you've got teams flying commercial how is that going to work? Have you started to address that? Can you possibly add more charters? Are they going to alter their schedule and uh, cancel some flights and play regional games that are drivable, busable?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, travel and safety of our, of our students is going to be uh, all part of this. And I think anytime, you know, if we're, if we're not in a conference only type model, you know we're going to have to get our kids to to games and and so in our in our footprint as mentioned earlier we're we're spread out a little bit so I imagine we're going to have to fly, you know, commercially in in most cases, and uh, just take all the precautions uh, that you can. Uh, I know that folks that are listening that have flown. There's a lot of uh, a lot of precautions the airlines are taking, and and we'll just have to work with our partners in the in the airlines. You know, we we uh, we spend uh, a lot of money flying, and so we have a lot of relationships in the airlines, and we'll just you know work with them to keep our kids as safe as we can. You know, we're blessed in intercollegiate athletics to have so many medical professionals around i know you've had dr petron on your show before dj but um we also had travel with trainers um so we'll have a lot of oversight uh, when our kids travel as we normally do and just try to be as safe as safe as we can if we can bus and drive though to your point this year that's something that we would want to do when we can last thing from me
7: mark uh is there a line somewhere that if you get to that line and, and go over it that, uh, that the football season is completely threatened, or is there a line that uh, ensures that uh, it will be played out?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the question that I think about a lot myself. You know, I mean, you, you, you know, I'm on the Football Oversight Committee on the national group, and we've, we've talked about, you know, when we were putting together the six-week return to, to play plan, we, we often talked about, you know, what are the minimum standards. And, you know, that ranged from four to six weeks, Uh, to to have these young people at this type of a level uh, be able to be ready to play. So, you know, we know right now we've had student-athletes back at most of our campuses, but in our footprint, not all. At Utah, we have our entire football team back and volunteer workouts. Next week starts the eight-hour period uh, where our coaches can finally now start working with them, you know, within a classroom setting. But as you move the calendar forward, in my mind, if you don't have at least four solid weeks uh, in front of that game to to be out there and practice, right? We still have to figure out how do we practice, right? Last time I checked, contact, sport, those kind of things. we got to figure all that out. Um, if you don't have four weeks before that game, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine conducting a football game. And the safety of our, of our students becomes outside of COVID at that point. It becomes just their bodies being... Being prepared. So, if, if for example, uh, the first week in September, you know we're not able to do contact type practices, and it's three weeks before the game, you just can't imagine having that that football game on that Saturday. So, to me, that's always been kind of the the sliding sliding scale, as, as it will. And if I know you guys keep track of our conference, if you look at LA County and certainly some other places, they're just not able to do anything right now. And I don't know when that's going to change. So that's the challenge. Um, And of course, even when, if you start the season, you know, how do you manage, um, how do you manage if you get, get some kids sick, if you get some kids that have to quarantine, uh, what if you lose a whole position group, how do you travel? You know, these are the things that uh, there's no book to pull out and and read, but these are the things we know that are coming. Um, So it's quite, it's quite overwhelming when you think about all the different possibilities. So, Right now, we're just going to control what we can uh, and have our kids safe during this volunteer period and and see what, what comes next.
0: Well, I hope you get to play as many games as possible because I know jobs are on the line, and we see that in multiple sports organizations, college and pro. But it also brings up the point that the uh, 85 scholarship football players, plus the walk-ons, are providing this revenue for all these people, jobs, and their earnings are capped. Scholarships and a a stipend on top of that, but their earnings are capped there. Do you think this reality pushes forward the whole name-image-likeness thing, and, and kids get a chance to... Uh, make money off their name while they're in school with local businesses
1: well if you untie the two things that you mentioned there I mean the the, the name image and like this train is is way out of the station and and you know kind of kind of ready to, to roll and actually been spending a lot of time uh, within the league uh, working on that matter we know that Senator Rubio has put forward his bill uh you know, the, the, the association in January will, will, you know, vote this in. I think there's a lot of really exciting possibilities in name image and likeness, uh and the opportunity for our student athletes. And actually really looking at this in depth, I think uh University of Utah student athletes uh, will really have an opportunity based on the, the, um, you know, the, the, kind of the market share that they have here in terms of, of, of them being popular and our great fan base. So I'm actually really excited about it. I think there's some things we'll do to, to make sure that we can work with our students to make sure that everyone's making good decisions. But I'm kind of excited about all that. To your first point, you know, at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. They don't have a players association. They don't have, uh, you know, they don't have that, that kind of, uh, support system outside of their families, which really is, is, is why it's so important that myself and our coaches and and our entire administrative staff are doing one thing and one thing only. Is it safe? Is it safe for them to practice? Is it safe for them to play? And, You know if i believe and i'm sure others in our industry believe that it's just not possible then we're just not going to play and we we will figure out you know we'll figure out how to to deal with that fallout which will be significant but the most important thing is their safety and that's that's just my resolve as we work through this um luckily we have incredible doctors uh, incredible doctors not only here but also in our conference that are really have stepped up extraordinarily so uh to try to put the best path forward but uh it's a fair point. It's a fair question, and I—I I know I know that that in my decision making it has to be always uh, top of mind.
0: Well, Mark, we appreciate the time this morning. Thanks for coming on and spelling out a lot of stuff for the uh, the Ute fans and the college sports fans in the area. We appreciate it.
1: Appreciate it. And I—I did not know Gordon got up this early, so I learned. I learned yeah. that.
7: So, so uh, belie- I don't
0: <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, Mark. Before. PK and I did the show, and we started doing it in April of 2002. Before that, I started doing dr- morning drive radio here. I'd done some midday stuff, but that's another story. But I started doing morning drive stuff in 97 uh, or 98 with Gordon and Ron Boone, Monson James and the Booner, MJB in the morning. And when Gordon got his afternoon gig, a couple months later, he told me, DJ, I was living my life in a fog. It's like it's lifted.
7: <laughs> I'm still living in a fog, but that's, uh, that's another story. He
0: said that before I partnered up with PK, and I was bouncing around. I had some different partners in there, and I'd always wondered if I would end up working with Gordon in the morning again. When I heard him say that, I thought, I will never do a morning drive show with Gordon Monson the rest of my life, no matter what
7: happens, <laughs> no matter what. And here we are. Yep. Exactly. I don't know, Mark. I don't know what time you get up, but I used to wake up about halfway through the show every morning. Oh yeah, I
0: I'd, I'd <laughs> t- tell people that. When do you wake up to do the show? About eight fifteen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I appreciate you guys. Have a great weekend. Okay. Thank
0: you. There's Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.